Welcome to the Saving Lives Podcast. I'm Eddie Joe. Today is the 9th of August of 2020. And the article that I'm going to be discussing was published in the New England Journal of Medicine on the 6th of August. And the title of the article is A Randomized Trial of Hydroxychloroquine as Post-Exposure Prophylaxis for COVID-19. Before I get started, I'd like to recommend that you head over to the show notes, download the article, read it for yourself, and ultimately make your own interpretation. What you're going to be hearing moving forward is not medical advice, it's my interpretation of the article. So let's get started. Starting things off, this is going to be a little atypical of how I do these podcasts, but I'm going to read the conclusions just to frame your mind of what we're going to be looking at. And I'm going to say, quote, hydroxychloroquine did not prevent illness compatible with COVID-19 or confirmed infection when used as as post-exposure prophylaxis within four days after exposure. What this means is that they did not actually swab everybody who was enrolled in the trial to confirm whether they had COVID or not. Okay, just keep that in mind that they did not do this. People who could have been asymptomatic carriers, they did not determine these people just because they went with either illness compatible with COVID-19 or confirmed infection. I'd also love to say that, admittedly, I wish this was a positive study because I'd rather have some sort of prophylactic treatment rather than not have a prophylactic treatment for ourselves being healthcare workers, especially since the vast majority of the people who were enrolled in the study were healthcare workers, basically you and I. This may just be me, but I'm also having a hard time with the term that they use called post-exposure prophylaxis. By definition, if you look in the Oxford Dictionary, prophylaxis means, quote, action taken to prevent disease, end quote. But in this case, if you're already exposed to COVID, then is it really prophylaxis? Again, I I might be a little too fixated on this, but I digress. The other thing is that they started the treatment within four days of exposure, which in the case of a trial like this, is the best they could do, I guess. It somewhat helps guide us uh, if we have concern of starting hydroxychloroquine early for the best efficacy, which is something that is ultimately unanswered. I really have to tip my hat off to the authors at the University of Minnesota, as well as the University of Manitoba, which is in Canada. At the time of recording this podcast, we honestly have no medications to help us decrease COVID transmission. We could all honestly live in bubbles with hazmat suits, but you and I know that this isn't feasible. Standard of care if you're exposed is to stay home for 14 days. Decided risk of secondary household transmission is 10 to 15%. If I'm being honest, I would think that the household transmission is greater than 10 to 15%. And this is just talking to the patients uh, who I've cared for at the hospital, as well as dealing with acquaintances and personal friends who have caught COVID and as has everybody else in their household. Let's talk about the methods. They did a lot of things right, but a lot of things that are also questionable. This is ultimately a randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled study. You know, the study that we all clamor about. Patients either got randomized to get hydroxychloroquine or a placebo. The, the participants of the study had to have known had, had to have a known exposure, geez, I can't speak today, to someone who was actually diagnosed with COVID, which is good. I mean, I wish nobody was exposed, but here we are. And they had to be enrolled within 
three days of three days of exposure, but later on in the trial, they switched that over to four days of exposure, which is a little bit different. They wanted to start the study within the incubation period. Trial purists will be mad that they changed the the exposure period from three days to four days, but it is what it is. You may ask, how did they find these people? Well, they did it through social media. That was one of their very important things, which is pretty interesting. But they also used traditional media outlets. All of the follow-up was done, not in person, but via email. And if the people didn't respond, they got a little bit more assertive with text messages, phone calls, and eventually they reached out to emergency contact if the people did not respond. Adherence to such trials like this are kind of a pain in the butt. And the authors called the adherence of the participants, quote, moderate, end quote. And since this was done online and not in academic centers, they were able to get a wide distribution of patients. See, the patients weren't just in Canada and in the Minnesota area. Ultimately, they ended up with 821 patients, about, well, not about, but they had 414 in the hydroxychloroquine group and 407 in the placebo group. This is the part that gets interesting for you and I. 66% of patients in the study were healthcare workers, and their exposures came mostly from patients or coworkers. It sounds like the story of our lives. This also means that the majority of patients were younger and healthier, leaving questions as to whether it could work better in risks that are, excuse me, in populations that are at risk. You may you might <clears throat> you might ask, what dose of hydroxychloroquine did they use? Well, they used a five-day regimen of 800 milligrams by mouth once, then six to eight hours later, they gave 600 milligrams, and then they gave 600 milligrams daily for four days. The way that they came up with this dose was based on an in vitro study, so they just extrapolated it to humans. Now, moving on to the outcomes of giving either hydroxychloroquine or prophylaxis. Well, the primary outcome was symptoms plus a positive COVID test or COVID symptoms. The COVID symptoms are listed on the paper and ultimately they're what you would expect, you know, like the myalgias, cough, uh, shortness of breath, etc. And there was no statistically significant difference in giving, giving patients hydroxychloroquine. Again, it does, not, it does not require people to have a swab at the end of the trial period to see if they got COVID or not or if they could be asymptomatic carriers. It was just based on symptoms. This is a major limitation because could it possibly be that, you know, hydroxychloroquine, um, it basically mutes the symptoms, but that's a question that's not answered. Amongst the secondary outcomes, we had numerous different things. Only one patient in each group ended up in the hospital. Nobody had an arrhythmia, by the way, but I must say that the patients were younger. The patients who did get the hydroxychloroquine did have more nausea, abdominal discomfort, and loose stools. One could expect that after getting those huge slugs of hydroxychloroquine. We've been dwelling on this too much. Let's, let's wrap it up. And given the fact that everybody seems like they're tired of hearing about hydroxychloroquine, this might be the last time I post or speak about it. But I don't want to seem like I'm fixated on this, guys. But they did not test everyone in the trial to see if there were if there was a difference in asymptomatic carriers. You know, given the fact that we've learned that the younger folks are the ones who tend to be more often than not the asymptomatic carriers. To me, this is a large flaw in the study. But I also have to cut the author some slack. P 
patient enrollment started in March. Testing wasn't as robust then as it is today. But this also, one has to admit that this also means that they cannot assess the effects on patients who are asymptomatic or have mild infections. You know, something else they didn't do was a subgroup analysis on the older folks. The median age of the people enrolled in this study were 40 to 41 years old, and 70% of patients had zero comorbidities. That's, you know, you're looking at the healthiest possible people to be exposed to COVID. But some questions that we should think about. Should those of us who are in healthcare take hydroxychloroquine for post-exposure prophylaxis? This data says a whole bunch of nope. Very few people ended up getting sick, even from being exposed, whether they were in the control group or in the hydroxychloroquine group. But what we don't know is about the people who are older and have comorbidities. My inclination also says no, but my inclination doesn't matter because it's just uh, expert opinion. Or, although I hesitate to call myself an expert when it comes to COVID management. But that just wraps up this trial. Hope you guys all learned something from it. I appreciate your support and listening all the way to the end of the podcast. Click on the five stars if you like the work that I'm doing on whatever podcast medium you're listening to this on. And I hope you have a great day. Bye.